A Dog's Life is brought to you by Earth Animal No Hide Wholesome Chews. Earth Animal No Hide Wholesome Chews are a healthy, heavenly, hand-rolled alternative to rawhide made from grass-fed beef, humanely raised chicken, and wild-caught Atlantic salmon. They're 100% free of chemicals, additives, bleach, and formaldehyde. It's the sustainable way to keep your dog healthy, happy, and filled with goodness and love. Mr. Binks and Prudence have never had a rawhide because in my book, they're not healthy. So imagine their excitement to enjoy a no-hide chew. Apart from helping to keep their teeth clean, chewing is an instinctual behavior that helps calm dogs by releasing happy hormones. Both Mr. Binks and Prudence relish the natural chewing experience from start to finish, and it gives me peace of mind that I'm giving them a treat that they were born to enjoy. In fact, no high chews are rated as excellent for digestibility, 80% compared to just 18% for rawhide. You can find Earth Animal No Hide Wholesome Chews at a pet shop near you or online at earthanimal.com forward slash UK. I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Me and Mr Binks are ever so excited because we're dashing down to Soho, in fact down to Dean Street and to Quo Vardis where we're meeting up with my friend and award-winning photographer Rianne Apogrid from Gruff Portraits. We're going to be talking about the art of dog photography but also about losing your best friend and how to look at grief from a Buddhist perspective. So lovely to see you again. Thanks for coming over to Soho. How was your journey? Yeah, it was good. Very quick. Very quick from Mater Vale. Only 15 minutes, actually. Oh, it's so lovely to live in the centre of London. It is nice. I love it. Was the last time I saw you, I was over in your studio, of course. Um, We were photographing the uh, cover for A Dog's Life. Yes, it was good. I liked it. It was good fun. Well, thanks for, you know, being patient because it was the last shot that worked. So we'd been trying to get a shot for over an hour and it just wasn't working, was it? Well, it was it was going well, but we, I, I think we needed something that was a little bit different and just not too staged. So it was quite natural. It was just the last shot, actually, which is how it usually works in photography. You end up that, doing a shoot for hours and then that last shot kind of works. So in terms of photography, you know, they say a picture speaks a thousand words. Um, And these days, we tend to be using photography even more to communicate. Um, Would would you agree that photography has this power to communicate over the spoken word? Well, I think in terms of my photography, as you know, I'm a human photographer and a dog photographer. I know. And... um, when you look at my dogs, the unusual thing about them is I only focus on the head, like the face. So when you see a dog normally in the street, you're kind of looking at a dog and think, oh yeah, it's a lovely little dog, but you don't really know the dog. 
Whereas in my images, the first thing that hits you is actually the personality of the dog, not so much, you know, oh, it's a cute dog or something. You just see that face so clearly lit and so big that you really see the personality first. Uh, absolutely, because um, I mean, I was honoured that you found the time running into Christmas to uh, take photos of both Mr. Binks, my English Toy Terrier, and Prudence, and there is this thing, isn't it, that the eyes are the window of the soul, and I absolutely love the style of your photos that have act rough portraits, so I just, I, I can't wait to get these pictures framed and be one of the gang to be in your brand, really. Oh, thank you. Um, well, you know, as you know, Anna, this project hasn't been really going for that long. I've only been doing it for two years, and it's really, really gathered such momentum so quickly. Uh, I think a lot of that I owe to Instagram, because they visually really stand out, and I've, they've just been very popular, and I also get lots of my dog models, my, you know, lots of people contact me on Instagram. You see, people love their dogs, and I think, you know, capturing moments, capturing your dog's personality is something all owners want to do. I mean, not least because, I mean, the sad fact of it all is dogs aren't pre-programmed to really live long enough, and I think your pictures particularly, because they really go deep into the dog's personality, to, in a way, you know, immortalise the dog. Do you think that's why some of your clients are taking, getting commissions done? I think they, I think a lot of people get commissions done mainly because my pictures are different, and they see their dog. They possibly see my images like they see the dog. Like my images are just the front face of the dog. They're close up, and it's a way that that's how. It, us as dog owners, we look at our dogs. We look at them in the face and we see them like that. Whereas a lot of people, when they see a dog in the street, they're looking from an, a very raised angle and looking down at the dog. But we, they see, it's how they see the dog. And it's quite a personal thing. Yeah, that is true because, you know, you you hug your dog. You know, I know I do. And you're really staring eye to eye with them. Mm. So it is exactly that. Well, it's you're on an eye, to eye level. Eye. You're on the eye level with them. And I think that makes your, your photos that extra bit different. Um, now, you not only photograph dogs, you've also worked often with children. And you know there is that expression, you know, never work with dogs and children. What would you say is the easiest out of the two? Um, dogs listen more. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, um, I'd say dogs for sure. Yeah, I love doing the dogs. The dogs are very, well, despite what you say and what people say about shooting dogs, it's very, very quick. And especially if you get a dog that's very smart and, you know, some dogs get it, some don't. But some, they will just sit there and I will get the picture within three takes, just very, very quick. Because unlike other um, photographers that have taken my dogs, you were very, very specific <laughs> when you came round to my flat. Yeah, bossy. <laughs> yeah, bossy. Very specific <laughs> and bossy with your instructions because what... And this is what I've loved about it, and this is exceptional. You absolutely wanted to get the truth in that photograph. So you didn't want me to basically, uh, you know, skew the picture in any way. So I wasn't allowed to touch the dogs. I wasn't allowed to focus the dogs. We weren't allowed to use any food. You literally wanted to get 
my dog's eyes looking straight down the lens yes. naturally at you so it was the pure image of the dog looking at the lens without any other kind of motivation or um, you know uh, what's the word I'm thinking of well, um, I, I, I want, I want in my images, I want the, it to come across as if there's only me and that dog, and I get that bond, and it's that bond of that dog is looking right at me that I want to come across in my images. So, what I tend to do is I'll come in and I'll set up my lights and my background, and then I will get the owner. Usually, I get the owner sitting next to the dog, so that the dog. It's, it's not nervous or anxious, it's, it feels very comfortable. So the owner is sitting right next to the dog, stroking the dog, and I just say, just stroke the dog, just get it used to the lights, because they're naturally quite suspicious dogs. <laughs> Some of them think I'm the vet, so <laughs> they're not too happy about it. <laughs> um, most dogs are fine. And I will get the owner sitting next to the dog, stroking the dog, and uh, quite often the owners will say, oh, shall I get some treats straight away? And I say, no treats, because the minute you bring treats into it, the dog gets excited, it starts jumping about, and you don't get that real calmness that I want to convey in my pictures, because the dogs all look very calm and just very focused. And it is the truth. I really feel that in your pictures you are getting the truth because of that. You know, they're not posing because of a treat. They're not posing because the owner's really asking them to hold a sit-stay in a, in a contrived way. So you're, you're getting this truth. But when you came over to mine, it, it, was, it was lovely because we, having been brought up on the Welsh borders, <laughs> you're also from Wales, yeah, aren't you, Rianne? I'm very passionately Welsh. <laughs> Which I love, you know. I mean, I even watch the rugby when Wales is on, you know, and I get really quite emotional. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, amidst all, all of this success with gruff portraits, um, there's been quite a tragedy in that your own dog did pass away quite suddenly. In fact, the day after, you'd been over yes. taking photos at, at my flat. Yep, and I remember that day I told you my dog's like a puppy. She's 16, but she's like a puppy. <laughs> I know, and we were talking about my... Molly, my first miniature bull terrier as well, because in my lounge I've got a beautiful portrait of her, haven't I, taken by another photographer, yeah. but it is quite a strong shot. And it was interesting, because Rianne, you, you were saying, you know, I, I appreciate that my dog won't live forever, and she's a good age already at 16, and I... I will be able to cope with it, you know, when the time comes. So, of course, the shock that ensued over the next couple of days. Yeah, I was always, as I used to say to everybody, look, the dog will die, and you've got to remember this, the dog will die at some point. And, you know, I was very matter-of-fact about that. It was that. so matter-of-fact, <laughs> and I actually did think, I don't think you are. No. That matter of fact. And uh, when it happened, and it was very, very suddenly, it was, uh, oh my goodness, it was just devastating. And it was, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty devastating. And it was very sudden as well. It I wasn't was so expecting sudden. it. No, no, it was, um, it was such a shock for me to hear the news as well, because, you know, I couldn't believe it either. Um, now, do you, do you think in, in times like this, you know, I know you've spent a lot of time in Thailand, and... 
Um, in Thailand, obviously, you know, it's a Buddhist country, so you learned a lot about Buddhism when you were in Thailand. Has that helped you through this immediate grief process over your lovely Otu? Well, one of my closest friends actually died in Thailand, and when he died, I went straight over there. And in Thailand, what they actually do is they put your you go to the temple for three days and three nights and you sleep at the temple for three days and three nights and it's nothing creepy there's nothing weird about it it just seems very right and in Thailand they have these they have very large incense sticks which they burn continuously and as soon as they start getting low you replace the incense sticks with another incense stick so that smoke is leading them to the the spirit to their path so that must not be broken, so you have to keep, keep lighting the incense sticks. So what we would do is, we, I went with my mum, came with me as well, and we would keep lighting the incense sticks on that path, that smoke was never broken. So, and on the, the fourth day, the body was cremated, and it was a really comforting, beautiful thing to do. So when Otto passed very, very suddenly, the first thing I did was I, I rushed out because I don't have incense sticks. I bought some incense sticks and some nice lavender ones and I lit those and I found it really comforting. It's interesting because it was when Molly passed that I learned about the spirit um, in Buddhist terms that stays with us on earth, if you like, for 49 days uh, before it actually passes to its next destination and that was it was on the 49th day that Prudence Molly's successor and miniature bull terrier was born so I naturally assumed that Molly had gone into Prudence um, I still don't know if that's actually <laughs> the truth or not as they couldn't be more all, different we all just have very um, separate ways of dealing with this and we whatever way is right I'm not sure but we all have our little little ways of dealing with that now, grief is is totally um, overwhelming and totally individual I, I would agree with you on that and I think the one thing is I think it's good to express it and I think you know it's not to be ashamed of grieving for your dog you know I, these people who go oh, it's just a dog you know go out and buy another one. Oh yes, so many people ask me, you know, would you get another dog, when will you get another dog, and as I explain, and also how will I carry on photographing animals, and you know, how will I carry on photographing dogs, um, you know, will it be too upsetting, and it, it, it's not the dog I miss, it's the personality, yes. and it's not about getting a new dog, well, it's about getting a new personality. And, you know, I won't be ready for that for definitely a year. She was such such a beautiful part of my life. I, I couldn't replace her personally. People, people have different ways of dealing with that. But I couldn't move on that quickly personally. You were talking about photographing other people's dogs. So I put here, you know, maybe isn't that a healing process? We had to surround yourself with, with, with people and dogs and make Otto proud, you know, that you're still pursuing the project that it, she basically inspired. Yeah, she did definitely inspire it, that's for sure, but um, I just find, I find it really, I, I don't link the two because Otto was with me for 16 years and the personality was so big, I don't even, 
I don't even think of Otto as a dog, she was just my companion. So it's just such a separate thing. And I think Otto was a Bichon, and if I was to photograph a Bichon, I think then it would really resonate. Oh my God, I'm photographing another, but it doesn't, I, I don't, I tend not to link the two together, to be honest, because Otto was more just, to me, she wasn't the dog, she was just this big personality. Oh, I get you. I mean, this is exactly how I felt with Molly. And there is never replacing them, never at all. I just, when I grew up, it was something my dad used to say to me that, you know, the hair of the dog cure has got absolutely nothing to do with a hangover. And it's got everything to do with carrying on, you know. And, and to a degree, Prudence, Molly's successor, if she did one thing, it was to help me get out of bed in the morning, yeah. um, have something to do, a, a challenge to train. Um, and there are, of course, breed similarities um, that I think that, that helped me. I mean, whether I'd be sat here now talking to you if it hadn't been for her, I don't know. Um, it was that bad. Um, you know, because when Molly passed, I, I've got to admit, I derailed. I mean, completely derailed. Um, you know, I, I spent the best 13 years of my life with her. She was my co-pilot. We navigated life together. And it was just beyond devastating. Now, so with Otto, tell us, you know, what happened? Well, it was, well, as you know, very, very sudden. I'd taken her to the vets on the Thursday because she had a little skin tag and I wanted to see if it was infected or not, which it wasn't. And I just thought, the vet I'd been to for the last 16 years, I, I was just a little bit disillusioned. They didn't, they just didn't seem as interested as they possibly should be and they weren't checking her ears and just little things. <laughs> and I decided, you know what, I'm just gonna change vets. So I just had a feeling. So I went to another vet and I said, listen, my dog's not ill, she's really well, but I want to change vets. So I changed vets. Yeah. The next day, weirdly, she was sick. I thought she had eaten something, so I went straight back to the new vet. And they examined her and straight away they said, how long she had this lump? And I said, what lump? I said she was at the vet two days ago, and they said, this is serious, we're going to scan her. And he just said she's in late stages of liver cancer and she's got 12 hours to live. I couldn't believe it because she'd just been at another vet a few days before and I said how could they not have, they said that lump didn't grow over two days. So you can imagine the devastation. So what I did was they said we'll give her some medication, see if we can perk her up a little bit, but the next day she, she couldn't walk, she couldn't eat, it was literally that suddenly. So. I rushed her back to the vet and I said, what shall I do? Do I need to put her to sleep? And he said, I'm not going to take her away from you. I want you to go home and hold her. So I live in a lovely little muse in Mater Vale where we know every single neighbour. And they're also all freelancers. <laughs> so I knocked on everyone's door and I just, I mean, I was crying my eyes out. And I just said, Otto wants, I want to say goodbye. Otto's you know, she's she's dying and everybody in the street was crying. And we went I went to my neighbor another neighbour's house and we just held her and she just passed away in my arms. I think that's um so brave. Um 
I must say I similarly you know let Molly die in my arms as well as really that's what you would do with a human and whilst it, it hurts and tears your heart out I think it's for some people and some special dogs that's what you know Otto would have wanted but after that you know things happen I remember the cat flap once um, going and I assumed my cat was coming through and then I realized that my cat gremlin was right by my feet already so and it was summer, it wasn't windy. Um, there was nothing that could have made that cat flap actually move like that. That was strange. There was another evening when I'm upstairs watching some television. I was just beside myself. I couldn't really get out of bed. I was frozen. I was frozen. Suddenly, I just hear all of this running around downstairs. Because um, bull terriers are famous for having what they call a bully moment, where they charge about, throw cushions around, and, and I kind of thought, crikey, we're either we're either being burgled, or there's a badger that's come into the cottage, because that's when I was living in Buckinghamshire, or could it be Molly? So, and I kind of thought, am I hearing things? And I, I went downstairs, and by the time I got downstairs, it just stopped, and then I just felt. You know, someone's looking at me, um, and I was going, Molly, are you there? Where are you? And you know, some people might think, you know, I'd actually totally lost the plot, but when I told you about this, Rianne, you really got it straight away. Yeah, well, what happened with me was obviously, I mean, I, I don't think I stopped crying for a whole week. It was just devastation. And I woke up for every for four nights after she passed the first night I heard her shaking scratching the second night I heard her scratching again another night I heard her shaking her head and then on the fourth night I, I woke up and I just felt her walk across the bed and I thought this I've never felt that experience before but it was it was her walking across the bed and then I, I would give her Rice Krispies for breakfast, probably not the best diet, but I thought, she's 16, she can, she can have what she wants for breakfast now. One day I came in and there was just one Rice Krispie on the, the work surface where I'd normally feed her, and there's no way that could have got there. She was the only person that ate Rice Krispies. Really, just yes. one in the middle? Just one in the middle, and I just thought, yeah, she's here, she's here. And like me, I, I, I actually went through the process of actually, because I couldn't, you know, I forgot Molly wasn't around. So for the first couple of days, I'd actually get her food bowl out. I mean, she'd gone off her food a bit towards the end, but you, you get so entrenched in routine. And I was just so reluctant to accept that she'd gone. And I just didn't want to, you know, move forward in my life without her and, and go into a world that that wasn't with Molly, so I really resisted that and tried to keep up my routine. And and you did a bit the same. Well, the next day I, I picked up her bed, folded that away. I picked up the food bowls, put those away. Oh my god, it just pushed me over the edge. <laughs> so I got the bowls back out, got the beds out, filled the bowls with her dry food. I still to this day 
five, six weeks later, I still put the, the food down, I still fill a bowl with water, bed is still there, I just keep it the same. It just helps. It's, I think it's important. I mean, somebody said to me, the only way to get to grips with yourself, Anna, is to accept that life now is going to be a new way of being normal. And I actually thought at the time those were really wise words, but it's so, so difficult, it's so difficult to somehow just do it. Um, but I guess carrying on with the project, you know, Gruff Portraits, is a way of keeping her memory alive, you yes. know, Rianne. And being a photographer, there are pictures of her everywhere. Like, I guess, all dog owners. But uh, there really are. She was such a photograph dog. And that's lovely to have her memory. And you're making her proud, you know, by really building this brand that is all about her. I mean, I know you must feel like me. Sometimes I get up in the morning and I just think, lovely. oh, you know, Molly, today I, mean, I really want to make you proud of me. I want to do something really good today. I wish you'd be here. Because sometimes we'd have these moments, she'd pick up on my energy well, so much that if something good happened, she would just know. Because um, she knew my mood so well. So I'd come back from a meeting and if it had been a good one, she'd be extra buoyant. I remember the day, you know, I got a book deal. Um, Molly was beside herself. She was running around, grabbing all her toys, <laughs> running around the flat, being absolutely, you know, ecstatic because she picked up on the vibes and I think that's what you miss you know it's that co-pilot because dogs you know are like their owners but they are just unique personalities yeah and you just you just miss them being with you so when I got my ashes back I thought what shall I do and I planted lovely window boxes with white flowers because she was a white dog and I thought I'm gonna put the ashes in the window boxes and then I'm going to scatter them and I had all these grand ideas and when I got that box I just thought no this box is just going to go on the pillow next to me where she would have slept every night and it might sound very weird to people that haven't got dogs but possibly very normal to the ones that do but I put her box of ashes on the pillow on the other side of my bed where she would always sleep and every morning I wake up and I do feel she's still kind of with me yeah, I don't know that I could have planted Molly's ashes either, but you've got a lovely little Thai temple, a miniature Thai temple, haven't you? Yes, in, I in do. In your studio. Because I lived in Thailand when I was younger. Um, the Thai life and Thai ways were very much ingrained into a lot of things I still do. And I have a small Thai temple, and in, in Thailand they put ashes in the temple. And when they miss the person, they put food, or drinks or something outside the temple so in that temple in my house there's there's already quite it's already quite full <laughs> with friends and family and I always thought I'll put Otto there but I can't quite get her off a pillow off the other side of the bed at the moment I know what you mean Molly's in my bedroom I I don't know if I could ever some people you know they make paperweights don't they out of the ashes or jewelry you can have like a faux diamond ring made of, of ashes which I've thought about but you know what if you lose it well exactly and that will be devastating it gets stolen so Rianne you know um, what made you take the jump from photographing people to photographing dogs 
so it's not well, a place we go to. Right, it wasn't actually a planned thing. It was, um, I was on a shoot, because I'm a portrait and reportage photographer, and I have been since the last 20 years. And I was on a shoot one day in somebody's house, and they were getting their makeup done. And I said, can I borrow your dog as a stand-in just to check my lights, because I needed to do the meter readings and the light checks before they came in. So yeah, yeah, borrow the dog, and it was a little Tibetan terrier actually. And so the dog sat there, thought, yeah, the lighting's good. Went home that night when I was editing, I thought, wow, that dog's looking right at me. What, what, what a great picture. And from then on, I kind of, if ever I went to somebody's house where they had a dog and I was on a photo shoot, I'd say, can I borrow your dog as a stand-in? And I'd always use their dog just to see if, see if I can do this again or whether it was just a fluke. So when I saw that they were so such a success and people really loved them, I thought, how can I make this into a business or how can I get these pictures out there more? Because they were so unusual with the dog looking straight at the camera. So I decided on making a greetings card range and I looked into greetings cards, the whole greetings card industry, and I developed a range of 30 dog greetings cards. So the cards really took off and so many people kept buying them and then more and more people would say, can you photograph my dog? How much is it? All of this kind of stuff. So I just developed this whole portrait business as well as the card business. It's fantastic. I mean, I can't say, um, you know, thank you enough for taking photographs of both Mr. Binks and Prudence. I absolutely love them, Rianne. And you really capture the essence of every dog you photograph because, of course, every dog really is an individual. Thank you. Okay, thanks, Anna. That's our show, Mr. Binks. What did you think? Yes, I know, it was a bit sad in places, but look at that photo of you. You love it. Well, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, please subscribe. A Dog's Life is streaming on all platforms. And while you're there, go on, give us a five-star review, because it really will help other dog lovers find us. Thanks also to Mike Hansen, my producer at Pod People UK, and of course to Rianne at Gruff Portraits. Also to our sponsor, Earth Animal at Earth Animal 1979. What's that, Mr. Binks? Oh, yes, we will be back next Sunday. That's because A Dog's Life is now weekly, so why not subscribe now? And then you'll never miss another show. Bye for now.